really good to be back. I'll put this mic on here in just a second. <clears throat> I'm getting nervous all of a sudden. I shouldn't because I've been, I've been here quite a few times before. So good to be back. Does that look all right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I was looking over several different uh, lesson outlines that I had. As some of you all know, I've been preaching down in uh, Willisburg. They're looking for a uh, preacher down there. Uh, and I've been helping out quite a bit. And I had a run of about, I don't know, two months full of Sundays that I, they just kept asking me back. And I'm never going to turn down the opportunity to get up and preach because it helps me probably more than it helps everybody who's going to be listening today. But I've, I've really, I've really appreciated the opportunity. And when Kyle asked me to speak, I said, I, first of all, I know you folks, and I love coming back over here. I wasn't going to turn it down. And so t- tonight, this afternoon, we're going to talk about uh, the fall of Israel. And uh, we know in Romans 15:4. And I'll be jumping back and forth, but most of what we're going to be talking about will be in Hosea. Uh, but Romans 15.4 is a verse that should be very familiar to all of us. <clears throat> it says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. So we know that this is just not a big bunch of stories that we just talk about from time to time. You can start in Genesis 1 1 and go all the way to the end of Revelation, and you can learn so much. Uh, there's been so many times that I've read these biblical accounts of things that happened, and I learned something. And then, you know, months, months later, I'll read it again, and I learn something else. And uh, uh, Brother Grover Stevens uh, said one time, I thought Grover knew about everything there was to know about the scriptures. And uh, I asked him a question one time about the scriptures, uh, a certain scripture, and he said, You know, I had never thought about that. And that just really floored me because I thought, surely you'll get to a point where you'll just know it all. But even even at, uh, he'd been preaching for forever, and he still had to look at it again and think about something. So there's so much that we can learn. And this is a, a sad um, commentary, what we're going to be talking about, but this is written for our learning. And, and what we're going to talk about today is hopefully what's written for us not to do what they did. We know uh, about the Israelites and how they fell away time after time after time, and they were brought back. And, you know, a lot of times uh, I have fallen into the, uh, the old way of saying, well, you know, they should have known better, and they could, they could do this and they could do that. But you know what? We're not much different. If we don't pay attention to uh, what God has said for us to do, we can be just like these folks. We may not, we don't fall away as drastically. We aren't taken into captivity by a neighboring country or anything, but we can fall into the the grip of the devil, and that's just as bad, and that's going to be just as harmful to our eternal souls. So, um, but we're going to talk about uh, over in Hosea. But let's turn to First Corinthians ten first. First uh, Corinthians chapter ten, verses eleven and twelve. First Corinthians ten, eleven and twelve. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, on whom the ends of the ages. Come, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And we can we can fall into a very predictable pattern of you know as long as I go to church three times a week and make it for the meetings, and as long as I you know pay my taxes and don't kick my dog and do these things, I'm okay with God. That you know everything's all right. 
But, you know, there's a whole lot more uh, to being a faithful child of God than just doing those things. Um, so we're going to turn over to Hosea now. And it's good to study uh, study this because, again, God put it there for a reason. It's not just historical, but it, he put it there for a reason and for us to, to pay attention to it. And um, I'm going to have several points here that they, they kind of uh, bleed off of one another. And they're all, all progressive. One leads to the next and leads to the next. And it, it, it gets uh, worse, not worse as, as it goes on. But, but the only way to avoid this is to never start. Um, and so the first one in Hosea 4, 6, this is a very familiar passage to us. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. It says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Uh, that's a very familiar verse. God has always demanded that, uh, that we know his law. Old Testament and New, he's always said, this is what you need to know. You need to, because we, we can't, if we don't know God's law, we can't adhere to it. I can try to be a good person, but God says, this is the kind of person I want you to be, and you're going to have to know my word to know what's going on here. And so he's always the man of Noah's law. In 2 Timothy 2.15, you might want to put a marker there uh, in Hosea because we'll be referring back to it several times. But 2 Timothy 2.15. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We can't present ourselves to God and be approved by God if we don't ever uh, open these pages. How many times have we, and I will, I'll admit, every time I get up here and preach, it's usually preaching, it's something that I've needed to work on. And, and I hope that it doesn't apply to anybody else, but I'm afraid it does sometimes, that we get into a, a, a rut. We take our Bible to worship with us. And when we come in, we leave it in the car, or we throw it up on the counter, and we don't pick it up until we're just coming out the door. I've done that more than, I, uh, more than I should, and more than I even like to admit. But we never open the pages of God's Word, we're not going to know. And you know, the thing about it is, is whether we open the pages or not, we're still going to be held accountable. So why don't we open up the Word and know what we're supposed to be doing? And so we know that we need to know the Old Testament. We don't adhere to the Old Testament, but it is good for us to know the Old Testament and to know um, what God was saying in the Old Testament to get us to the New Testament. And you know, denominationalism flourishes because of lack of knowledge. Uh, There's I would say it's a new movement. It's not a new movement uh, anymore, but there's a lot of community churches that are springing up everywhere, and they pretty much will take about anybody. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but they say, oh, you believe this? Well, that's okay. Come on in. You believe this? And so a lot of times these people are diametrically opposed, or at least they don't believe all the same thing, but as long as it's kind of close, just come on in. You know, God, God's Word's not that way. Um, and I know out in, it's out in Arizona several years back, a man became very famous for um, going around to the whole greater uh, Tucson area uh, and passing out a flyer and said, what, would you, what do you want to see in a church? And they wrote down what they wanted to see. And, and, and so he took them all, compiled them, and he said, okay, now this is what we're going to base our church on. And one of them was, well, we don't talk about sin because that's a, that's a negative, and that really, that really down takes people down. Well, you know, uh, sin is not the central theme of the Bible, but it's a great part of it. It needs to be talked about, and it needs to be avoided. And, and so 
he based it on what he thought the people wanted to hear, and it was it's very very and still today it's still very uh, popular. So we need to be very careful. Uh, Mark sixteen fifteen. We know Mark sixteen sixteen. That's a, a very familiar passage. Sometimes um, we uh, don't read. You know, if you jump back a verse, uh, it's always really good to to read all around it. But Mark sixteen fifteen. <clears throat> this is the function or a, a function of the church. Mark sixteen fifteen, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're supposed to be out preaching and teaching. Um, we're not going to leave it up to Kyle. That is what he's here for. He's your evangelist. But we don't come in here and, and sit here and go, Well, Kyle, what you do this week? Because Kyle's going to be doing what he needs to be doing. But Holly needs to do what she needs to be doing. And all the Richardson, everybody needs to be doing what they need to be doing. We can't leave it up to one person. We can't think that, well, you know, I dropped my contribution in the plate, and uh, that helps to pay for somebody. Maybe we're supporting somebody over here. That takes care of my part. It doesn't. It, it needs to be done, but we all have our part. And when it says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, you know, I'll probably never go to Nigeria. I may not even go out of the state of Kentucky anymore. But where Tim Wells lives, the people around me need to know they need to know that I'm Christian and that I have talked to them about the Word, talked to them about God. Now, they may reject it, but that's not up to me to get them to uh, accept it. I need to give them the opportunity to reject it, I guess. So that's our function. One of our functions is to teach and preach. Let's turn back over to Hosea. So a lack of knowledge, that bleeds into, or maybe leads into, I guess that's a better way of saying it, Hosea 5, verse 5. Hosea 5, verse 5. The pride of Israel testifies to his face. Therefore, Israel and Ephraim stumble in their iniquity. Judah also stumbles with them. You know, we use the word proud uh, and pride in a completely different sense from the biblical. Uh, you know, you see these bumper stickers, I'm proud of my Cub Scout, and I'm proud of this. And, you know, the way we use pride today is, is not wrong. But you cannot find throughout the scriptures any time where pride is ever spoken of in a good in a good way in the scriptures. It's condemned throughout the Bible. Turn back to Proverbs twenty nine. Proverbs twenty nine. Verse thirty three. Proverbs twenty nine, verse thirty three. Okay? There's not a Proverbs twenty nine thirty three. Let's look at three here. Oh, Proverbs 29, uh, 29, 23. There we go. A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. And then over in James chapter 4, verse 6. Let's jump over to the New Testament here. James 4, verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And over in Luke 18. I'm not going to read every verse pertaining to pride, I promise you, but, but Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. Luke 18, 9 through 14. And he also spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up, went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, 
or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be abased, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You know, he did, he did do a lot of good works. I mean, you see that he said he, he fasts twice a week, he gives tithes, he did, he did things, uh, and he didn't do a lot of things that these uh, uh, extortioners and unjust adulterers, but he had the attitude of, I'm better than they are. And, you know, the first time we ever get the attitude that we're better than anybody else, uh, our pride has gotten the better of us, and, and the devil's got us right where he wants us. The devil, he doesn't have, well, it's kind of, the devil doesn't, doesn't want us to serve him all the time. As long as we serve him just a little bit of time, he'll be all right with that. We're really serving him all the time when we do that. But the devil will just use little things to get us to, to pull us away from uh, pull us away from God. And so we need to be very careful. He was condemned even though he was doing good works. And so we need to be careful. Yeah, we can do a lot of good works, but there are other things that sometimes we fail in, and we need to be careful to be doing all the good works that God has for us. Okay, back over to Hosea. Hosea 6, verse 4. I told you to mark in your Bibles, and I didn't. So I'm going to take me a second there. Here we go. Hosea 6, verse 4. <clears throat> oh, Ephraim, what shall I do to you? O Judah, what shall I do to you? For your faithfulness is like a morning cloud, and like the early dew, it goes away. We're going to talk about instability for a second. And um, we, I've seen this in times past with, with new converts. Uh, someone is converted to the Lord, and if we don't go in and surround them with love and instruction and help them out, they're going to float away just like the cloud. They're going to become discouraged, or something's going to happen, and they just disappear just like it's talking about how... Uh, how this the, the cloud just floated like a morning cloud, and we need to be very careful about um, d- doing that. But we also need to be careful about ourselves being lost because of instability. Um, and definition of instability is lack of determination, not being firm. I think we know what that means. But we've got to be stable in all facets of the way we serve God. We've got to be stable in giving. We've got to be stable in attendance. And you can go on and on and name it, break it down into little parts. Um, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot uh, in different places when I talk to other brothers and sisters about about attendance. Um, and I've spoken to some people that, you know, God really just expects me to be there some, one time on Sunday, and that's about all he expects me to do. Well, with that minimalist attitude, you know, uh, it's hard. It's hard to tell people. You say, don't you want to do everything that God wants you to do? Don't you think you need to be there? First of all, you're you're forsaking the assembling, but you're also not building your brothers and sisters up because you're not there. And, you know, they have a lot of excuses. Well, God just, and this is one person, God just expects me to be there one time on Sunday. Well, I can't find a verse in there that says that, but it's really hard when people have that attitude. So we need to be stable. We need to be here every time the doors are open. You know, I work with a lot of people in the world, and they're okay people, but they're not my brothers and sisters in Christ. They're not Christians. And, you know, I, I get so much from being around my brothers and sisters, whether it is at the services or doing, uh, you know, going to their homes or things like that. But, you know, I need to be here. I need to be here on Sunday. I need to be here on Wednesday. Every time the doors are open, 
you all build me up. You all, my brothers and sisters here at Oakland or wherever I am, you build me up. Hopefully I'm doing the same for you. And if you can get enough um, building up, being there once a week, well, you're a whole lot better person than I am. But I, I just think we need to, well, I know we need to be there every time we can. And also I talked about in giving. We need to be stable in giving to help the, um, help the work of the Lord to have it proclaimed throughout. And so the church has got to be stable with the gospel. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians 15, 58. And this, could, this uh, applies individually or as a congregation. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Uh, it talks about always abounding in the work of the Lord. And just like I went back, I was telling you about the person who just thought that God need, needs me one time a week. That's not abounding. That's trying to get the bare, trying to slide in the bare minimum, and it's not going to work. But we always need to be abounding and immovable, standing on God's word, because this is the only thing that's going to be forever. You know, there's a lot of things in this life that are temporary. Well, everything in this life is temporary. But God's word is forever. It will never change. And that's the one thing that I can look to no matter what, and it's going to be there. It's always going to be same, the same. It's always going to be as powerful as it was 2,000 years ago. And if this world stands 2,000 years from now, it's going to be there. And we need to draw comfort uh, from that. So we need to be not be unstable. We need to be stable. And like I said before, denominations will teach about anything just to please men because that's what gets the numbers in. Uh, when my, and that's all about numbers with them. And it should be to an extent with us to get the get the souls here, uh, but but it's not to say or do anything just to get them here. Uh, when my brother and I were teenagers, we had some friends who attended the Baptist church, and they wanted to play on the softball team. And they um, they said, "Well, all you got to do is come, you know, a couple times a month. Just you can just come on Sunday afternoon. It's a real quick service. You should be there. They want you there a couple times so, so you play on the team." We said, "No." And I asked him about it, and he said, "Well, you know, they figured that if they can get you there." Once they get you there with softball and everything else, then they're, they're going to teach you the gospel. <laughs> and I thought, that's just backwards. I mean, that's just completely, there's there's no biblical, uh, you know, you need to get there because of the word and your love for God and stay there because, you know, if I went there for softball and then I grew up and quit playing softball, guess what? I'll, I'm going to leave. And I never was with God in the first place if, if that was my motivation. So we need to be realize that the, the gospels is, is what gonna, what's going to take us there, what's going to keep us there, and what's going to get us to heaven. And uh, knowledge, as we said back a little bit ago, is going to be worthless if we aren't stable in the application. You know, I know a lot of people, a lot of people that I uh, work with, and brethren too, who just know so much of the scriptures. But then when it comes to application, they either apply it wrong or they pick and choose. And we need to be very careful. We need to study to show ourselves approved. The key word there is study and approve. God is going to approve of if we're doing it right. He's going to disapprove if we're doing it wrong. And so we need to be um, we need to be very very careful and handle God's word very carefully. Hosea seven verse eight, <clears throat> talking about mixing with the world. Hosea seven verse eight. Ephraim has mixed himself among the peoples. Ephraim is a cake unturned. Um, in the Old Testament, in Exodus 23, we won't turn over there, but God demanded that his people be kept separate. That was for uh, a different reason, to keep the line pure. And But now today, well, we also over in Solomon, over in 1 Kings 11, 1 and 2, 
talks about keeping being separate from the world, being separate from other peoples. And we've got to recognize this is not being arrogant. This is not being thinking I'm any better than anybody else or any of us. But we have to realize that we are God's people and that there is a line. We can't just bounce back and forth in the world, in, in the church, in the world, back, back and forth like we uh, can, like we want to, and be pleasing to God. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 7. Over in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 7. By the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of the righteousness on the right hand and on the left. Again, I believe I've written down the wrong verse. But we need to, uh, we need to realize that um, there are the children of God and we are the called out and that we are um, separate from the world. A, a, a lot of people say, well, you know, I can't, uh, I can't teach the world unless I get out there in it. Well, and that's, to a point, that's true. We're, we're going to have to. My job, I'm going to deal with a lot of people who, uh, who don't believe in God or who have a very perverted view or believe whatever they want to believe. But I can't become part of that. Uh, and I, I think everyone here, everyone that I know, we, we, we know the difference. We cannot become part of the world. In fact, when we became a child of God, we came out of the world and became separate. And so we need to be very careful about recognizing the line. You know, the old saying there, someone said that they, they try to straddle the fence. And, you know, there's no straddling the fence when you're serving God. You, you know, somebody says they want to keep one foot in the world and one foot with God. You're either on this side of the fence or, or you're over here because God says, I want all of you. I don't want half of you or I don't want, you know, 80% of your time. I want 100%. So you're either with God or you're against God. And we need to realize that. And I, I believe we can see that. Then the next one is, is corruption. And I, I, can, I hope we can see how these got progressively worse. Uh, corruption, Hosea 9, verse 9. Let's turn back over to Hosea 9, verse 9. <clears throat> they are deeply corrupted, as it, in the days of Gibeah. He will remember their iniquity. He will punish their sins. And the things we've been talking about, they logically kind of take us to uh, internal corruption. If we've, been, uh, if we've been mixing with the world, if we've been uh, unstable, if we have a lack of knowledge, you know, if we have a lack of knowledge, or we don't have knowledge, you know, if we have that, then we're going to be able to be pushed around and told all kinds of things. Uh, uh, there have been a lot of very persuasive men who didn't have an ounce of truth in what they said, and they led, you know, hundreds and hundreds, thousands, thousands of people um, away from God. And I'm not saying these people were uh, with God to begin with, but you look at Billy Graham, how, how famous and how successful he was. There was a lot of things he taught that were the truth, but there's a lot of stuff that he taught was wrong. And it doesn't take just one thing wrong, but he taught a lot of, a lot of truth, but there was some error mixed in. And you know what? He's led probably millions away from what the truth would be. And so because of uh, people listening and not knowing the scriptures. And so our pride, our lack of knowledge, our mixing with the world, and all this leads to internal corruption. Matthew 23, let's turn over to Matthew 23. And I hope I got this verse right. I don't know. Sometimes I can't read my own handwriting, but most times it's, it's well enough where I can read. Matthew 23, verses 25 through 28. 
Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. You know, people can see this building and can see you all out and about, and they can look in here and think, man, I tell you what, those, those folks are great. They're, they're, they're doing the Lord's work, and I believe you all are. But if we don't watch, we can be just as corrupt as any denomination down the, down the road because we can look good on the outside, but it's what's inside that's what's going to count. And, and so it talks about them being looking good on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all corruption. And uh, God is concerned with the condition of our heart. In Proverbs 23, verse 7. Proverbs 23, verse 7. <clears throat> the first part of that says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. You ever, it's going to sound kind of ridiculous, you ever sat down and thought about what you think about? <laughs> I know that sounds crazy. But sometimes you get in a groove of what you're thinking about, and then you stop for a second and you go, what have I been thinking about all day? Have I been thinking about uh, godly things and things that are going to help me out? Or has my mind been in the gutter, or has it been on useless things? You know, I've caught myself on not necessarily bad things, but useless things that didn't help me out whatsoever. So we need, we're told to walk circumspectly, to look around and look at our lives. And so sometimes think about the things that you think about from day to day, and you can change that. It's real, it's real simple. The mind is a very powerful thing for good or evil, but you need to be real careful. It talks about what is in our mind and what comes out of our mouth is what's in our heart. And so, uh, you know, we can fool a lot of people, but we can't fool God. And God's the one that we need to I'm not going to say impressed, but he's the one that is going to be the approval or disapproval of our lives. And so we need to be very careful about that. And then back in Hosea 11, verse 7. Hosea 11, verse 7. My people are bent on backsliding from me, though they call to the Most High and none at all exalt him. Uh, the outside sin, we've talked about just the external uh, condition of our hearts. But the external sin is always preceded by our, the deterioration of our character, the internal part. And uh, the only successful way to treat backsliding is to cure its causes. And that's what, we're talk- what we've been talking about uh, before, is to have knowledge and is to not be proud. I mean, what have we got to be proud of? And is there anything that you've done in your life, that you, uh, any good thing that you've done in your life that you can't attribute to God? Um, you know, you think about that. Every every good and perfect gift comes from God. Everything that I've got that men might be proud of in their lives, God gave me. I have a wonderful family. I have a wonderful church family here and wherever I may go. And I have so many blessings. You know what? I didn't do any of that. I, I mean, I'm built up by it and I help out when I can. But God gave me that. And I need to realize and not be pride, prideful uh, or proud of the fact because it's, it's nothing that I've done. <clears throat> and then... To be stable, that goes back to having knowledge. You can't be stable with something that you don't know anything about. And if you don't know anything about the scriptures, uh, you're going to be pushed around quite a bit and believe whatever sounds good, and you need to be careful. And these are all bad. 
But I think the one that we need to watch maybe the most is the knowledge and, uh, and mixing with the world because uh, we all sometimes tend to draw our own lines mixing with the world. Uh, you know, I can do this much and I'll be okay. And another person says, well, I can do this much and I'll be okay. And you know, God draws a very definite line about how we mix with the world and what is approved and what is not approved. And we need to know the scriptures and say, okay, I know I can't do this. I know I've got to stop doing this or I've got to change my behavior because, you know, I can act, I can act exactly as I want to. But you know what? God's going to say at the end of it all, okay, you lived like you wanted to. Now you're condemned to hell. I mean, I can either uh, turn and face God and believe God and believe his words and do them and it sounds simple. It, it's it's not real simple, but but it's the only good way, and it's the only thing that's going to take us to heaven. <clears throat> and so, um, but we need to be very careful about that. Get my last page here. And then over in Hosea thirteen two. Hosea thirteen two. Now they sin more and more and have made for themselves molded images, idols of their silver according to their skill. All of it is the work of craftsmen. They say to them, let the men who sacrifice kiss the calves. And, you know, um, it's natural for people to worship. And although we may not, well, I know we don't, the world may not bow down to an image like Buddha or something carved that they have in their house, like some kind of totem or something like that, we all bow down if we're not careful to something like our jobs, um, the money. You know, we have a job, uh, and I, I, I think I've used this here before. Um, I kind of got blinded when I worked for Corn and Glass. I was making really good money uh, because, I mean, it just paid real well, but it was swing shift. And you know what? I miss so much worship. I just got in the habit of missing work. I'd, I'd miss Wednesday nights. I'd miss Sunday mornings. I'd miss Sunday afternoons. And, you know, sometimes when I was there, I'd just gotten off shift work, and I'd slept right through the service. I did that for about the better part of seven years. But, you know, money was really good. <laughs> you know, that money, that, that was really good. But, you know, I didn't trust in God to say God's going to take care of me. I might make a lot less, but, you know what, I'm going to be a whole lot better off. And it took me getting laid off to see the truth of that. It t- took me getting laid off being able to be there at worship. And I realized all of a sudden, man, look what I've been missing. And and I wasn't there to build other folks up, but I sure wasn't being built up by working all the time and sleeping uh, sometimes through worship. And so that was an idol to me that, you know, that I didn't know about or I knew about, but I got blinded by the fact of the money. And so the case of Israel, they were actually building graven images, but there's many more things that we can do today. We can, uh, uh, we can actually be... I guess idolize a preacher. You know, we can think that this preacher, I love him so much, he, he would never uh, steer me wrong, and we can idolize that person so much that we don't see that they're a man like everybody else. But there's all kinds of things. And, you know, we can all think of things. If I went around the room, we could probably name, you know, 50 things that people can idolize. Other people, their jobs, their, uh, you know, vehicles, all the stuff that they've got, and we just keep going and going. But, that wouldn't really serve any useful purpose except for to say that we need to be really, really, really careful. Uh, There's so many things today. And the only way to prevent idolatry in whatever form it is as far as us is by strict adherence uh, to preventing that 
that goes back to what we've been talking about all day, is knowing God's law and having the heart for it and, and going through all those. And so um, the question I would ask, every, every time I get up and speak or when we study or anything, I always, uh, the question we got to ask is, do we see any of ourselves in this? You know, the first time I went through this, uh, and I saw it a long time ago when I was finishing this lesson up, I thought, you know, I've seen myself several times throughout this in different forms. And you hate to see it, but it also helps to serve that tells you, you know, you can do better. And, and I'm glad that I'm out of that. I'm glad that I'm out of that, and I need to be very careful. So we can't be proud. We need to be knowledgeable. We need to be stable, and we need not to have these uh, idols in front of us. So um, that's my lesson for today, uh, for this afternoon. And, again, I appreciate you all uh, asking me over. And, uh, Charles, it may be that uh, you, your numbers are down because you probably told everybody that I was going to be here this afternoon. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, um, now is the time. This is actually the most important time right here. This is the invitation. And uh, I don't know everybody's situation here, but you all not, do know. And if you have, are a child of God and you see yourself in any of this, don't be too proud. And just like we talked about, don't be too proud to admit it. Because, you know, pride is going to take so many people to hell, and it's going to go on forever and ever when all you have to do was swallow, not swallow, get rid of that pride and humble yourself before God and say, yeah, I was wrong, and yeah, I did this, and I, I want to do better because I know these folks here. You know, they're going to they're gonna hug on you, they're going to pray for you, and they're going to do what it takes to bring you back. But if there's anybody here who has not become a child of God, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. We may not have another opportunity. And so whatever your uh, situation is, please come as we stand and sing.